On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcasts platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Kildare have been quite happy, whilst Newbridge was, I'll not mince my words, a disgrace of a county ground for a county that, with the resources that they had. And they were able to pump money in to their county teams and everywhere else, but investing in the grounds. They were quite happy. So you can't be just picking and choosing when it suits. Even going to the final recently, my father used to always say to me, right, no matter what the scoreboard is, I don't care if you're losing, you keep going to the final whistle and that becomes a habit lads and they got rewarded Saturday night and if you're going to beat the likes of Limericks you're going to have to go to the 72nd and 73rd minute to overcome it was another busy weekend of championship action and on today's episode of the Throwing podcast we will discuss all the major football and hurling talking points Will Slattery here with you and on part two of the show we will be joined by John Milan and Eddie Brennan to discuss Limerick's shot defeat to Clare and Kilkenny and Galway's draw in Leinster. But first we're talking football and I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Verney, Column Keys, and Dick Clerken. And it was Leinster and Ulster semi-final weekend column and the most intriguing game probably developed in Croke Park yesterday between Dublin and Kildare. On paper it mightn't have looked that way coming into it but obviously Dublin needing to rescue a late victory. They were facing their first Leinster defeat since 2010 and then we had Glenn Ryan's post-match comments about Dublin's use of Croke Park and, and other potential advantages over other counties. So it made for a very interesting day yesterday in headquarters. Yeah, certainly Dublin probably didn't expect, and there's, you know, they may say that they they would have expected that from Kildare, but they, they couldn't really have expected it from Kildare on the back of some of Kildare's league form. Now, ironically, Kildare did run Dublin to a point in the league game at the beginning, at the outset of the Division Two campaign. But uh, still, you would have expected Dublin in full flight to have been a lot more comfortable in that game. But I suppose the way Kildare set up uh, and they probably had the psychological uh, the psychological plus of 20 minutes into that game yesterday, they were still in it because obviously almost 12 months earlier in the Leinster final, uh, they were already had already conceded, I think it was four goals by that stage. So... To reach that point where they were ahead, three points to two or whatever it was at that stage, would have been a real psychological lifticle there. And the way they set up, they threw so many numbers back and they made it really, really difficult for Dublin to negotiate all that traffic, really heavy traffic. I think it was very pointed in the first few minutes where Ross McGarry turned uh, um, and he had nobody to play the ball to and it was uh, it was turned over straight away. Same thing happened, Paul Mannion. So... Uh, pretty soon after that, so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of pluses very very early on. Uh, Kildare would have really taken impetus from the fact that the way they were setting up this time uh, was succeeding. So they would have built on that, and they have very very good forwards. There was no doubt about that. That Derek Kerwin, uh, one of the sharpest players to turn, I think, in the game off left and right, he can really pivot really quickly and get a shot away fast. Uh, ben McCormick has always been a really rich talent, again, off both sides. They can afford to leave Daniel Flynn, uh, who who has been their talisman, really, in games against Dublin, uh, certainly games where they have been close against Dublin. He's been, he got that wonderful goal in 2021 and that point in 2020, 2017. He's always been able to do uh, really good things against against Dublin. So they're able to leave him on the bench and Kevin Feely on the bench and go with players like Paddy Woodgate, who stuck over a couple of great Great freeze off the ground. Jack Robinson is another, another player of rich talent. You know, and the, the debate about the second best team in Leinster has been raging. Obviously, that's all the province has to cling to who's second best. Um, I think Kildare are second best and I think they will uh, take a lot from yesterday. And uh, I think they'll really kick on from here and they'll enjoy 
Sam Maguire football now that they have pushed Dublin so close and they know that they aren't the team they really looked in the middle of the league uh, just gone by. With regard to Glenn Ryan's comments, I happen to agree with him. I think, there is, of, of course, there's a big advantage in Dublin playing in Croke Park all the time. Where do all their debutants, all their debutants run a run-in in Croke Park early on? It has to be an advantage to them, the familiarity, everything attached to it, right down to the same dressing room on the Hill 16 side of the Hogan stand every time. That's the advantage it is. I, I, I absolutely think it's a home venue for them. Obviously, Parnell Park is their stated home venue, but the senior footballers don't play there. They've been playing every game there since 2011, uh, apart from the couple of games or the game against the league match against Meath, uh, which went back to Parnell Park because of, obviously, because of COVID. So I think Glenn Ryan has a point. Um, and I would, I would think I, whether he, he also said it was, I just reading his comments, everything is laid out for them. I don't know what that means by being laid out. Maybe he means the same dressing room all the time. Familiarity. If you're playing there all the time, of course it's familiarity. So there is an advantage there. There is no doubt familiarity will always bring that advantage. So he's just airing a point that I think a lot of managers probably do feel. It's funny the dress the dre- the dressing room one is based on um the Irish spelling of your county name. So uh Clea is they will always be in a unless they play Antrim, Antrim, and they think yeah. it'd be the only one that they wouldn't they wouldn't <laughs> be in that dressing room for. It's a, it's also our vodka, but strangely enough, yeah. for the twenty twenty All Ireland semi final against Cavan, Cavan D- Dublin came out and warmed up on the on the Davin end that day. So that was on Cavan. Clearly, on Cavan cons- uh, applied <laughs> in that case. Do you know what dressing room they had, uh, Colin? I'm just... pretty sure if they were if they were on the on the Davin end, they also were on the were yeah, on the, the whole in the Davin end dressing room. But it doesn't apply when they play. Say the likes of me. That's on V is the official, obviously Irish name for for mm, me. But yeah. it won't apply in those circumstances. It applied that night. I wonder had it anything to do with that there was no crowd in there. But it's the only time that I recall in recent, certainly on the recent stretch of games that Dublin haven't been in that dressing room um, why the uh, why the uh, the county names aren't applied as they are in English as everybody knows them by and or why the why they don't draw for dressing rooms why it, it's it's beyond me but it certainly leads to and it, it you know it lends itself to comments like what Glenn Ryan came out with after the game yesterday, it certainly it certainly aligns itself to that. Uh, and just, the dressing room ring. just on one one of other one of Glenn Ryan's other comments was he kind of implied that the Dublin officials and backroom team is kind of like open season with regards to where they can go in Crow Park. Um, compared to he basically said that when we have a sub coming on, the fourth and fifth official is coming up to them, telling them they need to put their gum shields on. They're being like really stringently held to account or whatever. And he was basically implying that the, the dubs weren't. And I don't know if you saw there's a clip going around there of Anthony Rainbow using fairly choice language to tell Darren Daly uh, what box to go back into when he was had drifted further away or whatever. But that's kind of I don't know, lads, you've been involved with teams as well where you've played games on home soil where there are certain advantages you have on home soil. And I don't know, I don't know if that's the case. I haven't played against Dublin in Crow Park or been on the sidelines, so I don't know if that's the case. But it would certainly seem that Glenn Ryan is suggesting that that is the case. The other, the other point about it is the great irony in all of this and what we're saying is Dublin have actually been quite poor. I won't say poor, but they certainly haven't been cutting teams apart in terms of scores in Croke Park this year, they've been quite comfortable going down to Port Leash and beating, running up four thirty, their biggest ever score. Uh, certainly on this on this uh, on this stretch of games, let's say over the last decade uh, since they've been coming, a, a dominant power uh, four thirty was their biggest score. They ran that up in Port Leash, whereas it's been one twelve against Hildare in the league. It's been sixteen against Loud, sixteen against Clare, four six. While they got the goals, it's still only ten scores. And only 14 scores. So the most scores in terms of volume of scores have scored in Pro Park this year has been 16. Whereas they've run up bigger scores, obviously down in Navin against weaker teams, Limerick. Um, they were beaten. They were beaten in Derry, obviously. Uh, so they haven't been really cutting loose in Croke Park this year, ironically. But that still doesn't uh, get away from the fact that all their debutants run in there. That's where they. That's where they familiarise very, very quickly and quicker than other counties as well. 
Dick, what's your perspective on it? You obviously played against Dublin and Croke Park, and when we were discussing this before the show, you had some, you know, your kind of strong views on the on the subject. Do Dublin have an advantage over other teams? Of course they did. That's not any great light bulb moments. We've been talking about this for well, actually, we've only been talking about this since Dublin have been dominating Leinster and All Ireland. So the last sort of ten plus years, it was never an issue before that, and it'll become less of an issue as as Dublin's dominance decreases now. Two things with respect to Glen Ryan. It's disappointing that we're talking about that this morning. And that was the narrative after the game, whereas it all should have been about Kildare's performance. The fact that they sort of turned the books on what was a pathetic league campaign and sort of almost announced themselves as a proper championship team for this year. Because, you know, the you know, and, and that had nothing to do with Dublin or Croke Park. It was all about Kildare and Glen Ryan trying to get a performance out of his players and he got that and I just felt it was disappointing for both him and his players for that to be the the the, the, the topic of conversation after the game. The reality is that Kildare knew going into that and Kildare have known that for the last 20, 20 odd years that that double have had that advantage. Now, the, the, the my, my point about this, and there's a bit of a hypocrisy around it from Glenn Kildare's point of view, is, is if you take his argument that Dublin have an advantage over Kildare because of their fami- Dublin's fam- familiarity over Croke Park versus the Kildare players, which he's right, the same argument applies to Kildare's familiarity with Croke Park against other non-Leinster counties. Kildare, if you run the stats, call him your good man with stats, run the amount of times that Kildare have played in Croke Park just say for the last 20, even go back to Glen Ryan's last 30 years, I'd say they're probably up there with the top five teams in the, 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 the country in terms of their exposure and familiarity with Crow Park. Okay, so Kildare have been quite happy whilst Newbridge was, I'll not mince my words, a disgrace of a county ground for a, for a, for a county that with the resources that they had, they never put a penny into it. I were quite happy for the last 20, 30 years to be felt about it in Crow Park. Okay, they were quite happy with that. And they were able to pump money in to their county teams and everywhere else, but investing in their grounds. They were quite happy. So you can't be just picking and choosing when it suits. Okay. So if if Glen Ryan's not happy about you know Dublin's advantage, the, the, the exact same argument applies to their advantage. And that's my issue with it. Glenn's right, but he's also wrong. That's my point on this. I just say dick to that, that really it's really since the spring series came in 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 2011, and Dublin began to play all their league games. Now, Dublin would have played league games in Croke Park, and I covered them way back in the 90s. Yes, they played there. They actually used to, uh, they played the county final. They played county finals there too. So they always have had that connection. No, and I don't yes, think the, the, the it's really only since they're win- right. It's really right. only since they're winning. And with regard, and also Dublin are playing their games there because they really don't have a suitable venue for themselves because of their lack of investment in Parnell. That's well. right, that's right. And yeah. and I will say this: it, they probably can't expand it too much more because they're constrained. But still, they haven't had to invest in Parnell Park. No. They haven't had to invest in, so far. Obviously, they are now out in North in North Dublin, um, in Hollystown. They haven't had to invest in a training facility either. So they've been able to pour all their they money have, and, and, and all their resources in too. Whereas. You go up the road. You have you have uh, you have your training centre in Monaghan. Right across the country, there are training centres everywhere else. But they have had that advantage that they have DCU to train, obviously, in the, in the summer, and then they use one of the clubs out in Ishfales out on out, uh, for their for their as their winter base. Certainly, that has been the arrangement. So, yeah, Kildare haven't invested. They're investing now. They're putting seventeen point five million. Obviously, some of that is state funding, some is GA funding, but they've also been returning big profits that they're. Now putting into uh, St. Connor. Yeah, I, th- I think there, there are two separate arguments that that sort of are, are are very closely linked, and and there's no there's no question that he's right about Dublin's advantage. He's 100 percent right on that. But at the end of the day, it's not just as simple as that. There's, there's a bigger For, way. And, and I would there. agree with you if you were to chart the next uh, most familiar teams over the last ten years. I think Kildare probably would be top five. They've actually, if I recall, they've played a league game or two when St. Conlad's was. Uh, I think, I think. Well, they actually just switched in. They certainly played a game against Donegal there, and they would play Leinster semi-finals there as Mead would, as West Mead, and that's obviously because it's in the province. But then, obviously, there's a logistical issue that teams from other uh, provinces can't play there. Ulster have played Ulster finals there in the past as well. So, 
But yeah, of course, it's an advantage to, to all the Leinster counties, but much more so Dublin because of the spring series. Yeah, and, and there's another angle I'm coming from. In Monaghan, air home ground is Clonus, right? Like, I've never heard it up here claim that Monaghan is an undue advantage in terms of the Ulster Championship because Monaghan have a home ground in Clonus. It's accepted, but a lot of it to do is we weren't dominating Ulster titles. This is all about winning and losing. Let's call a spade a spade. Glenn Clare won yesterday. We wouldn't be talking about this now. Glenn Ryan certainly wouldn't have been, you know, talking sour grapes. And there was an element of that. He was frustrated. He was annoyed with stuff that happened. He was denied that they had that opportunity to win, and rightly so. But this is about winning and losing. Okay, and he's he annoyed that they lost and all this stuff's coming out. If they'd have won yesterday, it'd have been a totally different conversation that we had. And it should be about that. It should be about good Kildare and poor Dublin. And let 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 the administrators sort that out. You know, make a campaign to say, right, from now on, we need to do better. That's that's where that's solved, not on the football pitch. Okay, that's not Glenn Ryan's job, it's not the player's job. Their job is to play. But but it's time for the Kildare County Board and other county boards to solve that other problem if they want to. And I'm not sure they do, to be honest with you, Colin. Well, I'm not sure they do either because this has obviously gone to discussion at Leinster level yep. too. So that decision that decision has been made, effectively made by the counties. And it's probably based it's probably based as much as anything on finance because there is a fear that if they separate the two semifinals and put them at provincial venues they certainly won't get the same crowds. And also, the other factor is there's a corporate factor there. It will never be said or written or anything like that, that uh, anything like that. But there are box holders and seat holders, premium seat holders in Crow Park, who will be looking for a certain number of games. And to have Dublin on in to, to have Dublin on your doorstep and to be able to, for some of these companies to be able to bring clients and everything else and friends to see Dublin play is an advantage. So Look, no one will ever say that. Of course, it has to be a factor too, that the seats are there and they need to be filled. Longer term, I know we need to talk about other things. There is an argument now for a a second stadium of 20,000, 25,000 capacity in in the Dublin area. I think in in 10, 15, 20 years' time, like Croke Park is not a particularly enjoyable place in when there's 20 odd thousand into it and that's going to be a common thing now going forward for different sizes of games and I think that's something that that really should be what what can you I'm sure it's been looked at what can you squeeze out of Parnell Park or is there an alternative value to try and invest in because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it get Get, get its value but that's again it's a separate conversation you know yeah, I think Sparwell has been mooted over the years in other various locations around the county as a potential for maybe a smaller size ground Michael in terms of on pitch stuff and yesterday coming out of the game you know Dick said Calera good Dublin were poor like does it does it change your opinion on Dublin's all-Ireland credentials how much they struggled in particular in attack they didn't create a clear-cut goal chance when I mean, this is after scoring four the week before and looking quite threatening in that regard yeah small bit um Firstly, just on Kildare, while they had some bodies in around the defensive area last year, there was a lot of kind of passive kind of bodies. Yesterday, they had a load of bodies and it was guys like it was like guys sprinting into position, guys you know putting their bodies on the line. It was really good defensive performance from a Kildare point of view. From a Dolan point of view, um, you know, from the bits I saw of the game anyway, like they got themselves back into it and Jack McCaffrey came in and made a big difference. But like even at the end of the game, when they were two up, you know, there's a keep the keepers off the line and Dean Rock tries a shot and it, you know, skews it wide. Lee Gannon has a ball 65 yards out, tries to deliver a perfect ball in and it just goes really harmlessly wide. And you're just thinking clinical Dublin of a couple of years ago, um, they wouldn't be putting the ball dead anyway. It's the same as Kilkenny in the hurling yesterday. I was amazed that TJ Reid put that sideline dead at the end and gave Galway a chance. Like they gave Kildare a chance of a Hail Mary yesterday that Dublin never did before. They would never allow a team the opportunity to even get a ball into that area. So, yeah, it probably changes my opinion slightly. But then when you look at the Cluxton coming back in, um, it's gas, the, the wording. Desi Farrell used after was like it was like they talking about having backup for David O'Hanlon. Backup for you're, you're telling me he's you know giving him exposure and experience and you're putting him in in Leinster semi final. Not a chance. He he plays all games from here on in if they throw him into a Leinster semi final and he was very kind of comfortable in everything he did yesterday. Um, but like I was listening to Jack McCaffrey's interview after and he's like you know saying like we're very happy with where we are. Um, and even uh, kind of basically kind of implying maybe that others maybe might question where they are, but you kind of would have to question where they are. Um, there's been they've mixed the good with the, the good with the pretty bad this year, you'd have to say at different stages. That league final, as Colm said, four six like yesterday, 14 points. 
I can't can't even think off the top of my head when I don't think anyone has pushed him as close as Kildare have without beating them uh, in Leinster in the last 13 years uh, since Mead beat them in 2010. Um, so yeah, there's definitely still, I think there's more questions than answers with the Doves. I still think, still get the feeling that they're going to come good and I would not back against them. I still think they're, they're my favourite still to win the All-Ireland, but um, there's just still, there's lots of kind of lingering doubts. Yeah, now they have a Leinster final against Loud to look forward to. Dick, and like that's been one of the great stories since Mickey Hart came in. They've been on a really upward trajectory, and now they get a chance to give Dublin a crack. And you know they they ran them, you know, relatively close in that league encounter. And as Colin mentioned, D- Dublin have been stuttering a little bit in attack at Croke Park, but it's a great a great achievement for Mickey Hart and Loud. Yeah, and I'm listening. I'm not going to patronise them. As I say, any any county that gets to provincial finals, they're on merit. As I say, yeah, you can get your favourable sides of the draw and all that, but at the end of the day. They're whatever would Leinster run. They've they've proved themselves in terms of how they competed in Division Two, which is there's a lot of good sides in there that they 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 performed. So on on both counts, Louth are I wouldn't say a serious team, but they're they're a good team, and any good team that comes with the right application, the right preparation, and the right sort of drive to try and win a game can cause good teams, better teams, trouble if they don't have the same. So will Louth beat Dublin? Yeah. Listen, maybe the, the football and gods are going to look down and try and balance the books from 2010. That would not be some some story for Louth football. Um, but but it's one of those things. Everything everything will have to go for them. Like Samuel Rye can't go for as long as he did. You know, not fighting the post. But as Mickey Hart said, listen, you don't take off Messi. You leave him on there for when it's needed. Um, he'll, he'll he'll return the goods, and he did, and and he'll have benefited from his run out in Croke Park and Championship because, you know, if they're going to beat Dublin, they'll need him kicking seven, eight points and, and finding his mark quicker than he did against Offaly. So, listen, I think it's a great occasion. I think Dublin are, listen, and I've said it several times, Dublin just are not the team and the players that are replacing the, the old guard, they're just not at that level. And, you know, all the stats and the triggers and the pointers in terms of their shot selection and composure, that's all a symptom of that. As I said, I think it was Connor was on a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that, or they're going to practice you don't practice and improve that overnight. That's that's something that's honed in over years and years of training discipline and they just don't have that. And, either, and, the, and the other players that they need to rely on, they're just a year older, a year slower and have they got the same hunger? It, it's hard to know. So I think Dublin are there to be beaten. As I say, they're still in All-Ireland in them because there's nobody else, you know, leagues ahead of them. But they're going to have to work as hard as they've ever done to try and get an All-Ireland title based on what we've seen, not just this year, not just yesterday, but over the last couple of years. You know, And again, it does not throw itself into a great overall story. And you know, their, their next hurdle is Louth, and that's a, it's, a, it's a no-win game for them. They're expected to win comfortably, but there's every chance that Louth could push them into the wire, but they just probably won't have the, the energy of, or the, you know, the, the sustainability in the legs to get, get them over the line. But here, I'm looking forward to it. You know. Just a just a quick one because I know we want to get onto Dick's Dick's grievance. No, no, uh, keep, talking about, Lanster, uh, keep but, talking about Lanster. Keep talking about Like, oh, I know we're talking about Lau, but Offaly left this one behind. Uh, yeah. lads. Oh God! Like we had ourselves in a great position. The third quarter, Loud pushed ahead and we chipped away and chipped back. And Anton Sullivan kicked the lovely point to level it. But Jack Bryant had a mark just before that. He definitely didn't take the fifteen seconds required, and we had a chance with nearly with nearly the last play as well going through and we had a chance to run the ball and we took a shot from 40 yards that wasn't really on and you know when you just know going into extra time you've had your chance you've left everything out there and that was kind of awfully yesterday just disappointing because it was a it's actually a brilliant performance um but they could have just nabbed it at the end of full time but isn't, isn't it great for Offaly too? Like, uh, yeah, they'd be disappointed, but like how many times over the last 10 years have they walked away from Leinster just with, with nothing to play for for the next year? Like, they were in touching distance of a provincial final that they'll feel they can get to next year. But equally on that, they're heading into the Talchon Cup that they'll have real ambitions to go and win. So I think it, it's, it's a great experience for those yeah. young Offaly players and it's, it's, it's a good time for them, you know. I have to say, Michael, that was spoken like a, like a proud Offaly man. <laughs> yeah, it was a great though. Yeah, <laughs> and even God, the even, even got even got the wee in. I actually think, from a Dublin point of view, uh, I'd just be a little concerned for them that Kieran Kilkenny's form maybe just isn't. Uh, obviously, he came back a little bit against Leash, but during the league, he just he just wasn't as incisive. I mean, I I, I rate him and Brian Fenton together as Dublin's most important players through through the whole run. 
uh, that they've been on, certainly since 2015. I felt when Kilkenny came back after his cruciate in 2014, he he really was one of those who transformed the team most. Obviously, people will always reflect on Cluxton's influence and James McCarthy's influence and you know, Conor Callaghan certainly towards the end of that run, towards the end of the six in a row, really became the pivotal figure and what a talent he is. But I always feel that the, the engine is Fenton and Kilkenny and Kilkenny is just not as incisive. He, he's just not as creative as he has been. I felt just looking back at yesterday's games, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't making those openings to put other players in, in space. So it's, it's, it's one to watch if his form starts to rise you know, you look back at the Kerry second half of the Kerry game, he really led that charge uh, in the All-Ireland semi-final. I think he's their most influential, important player. Um, and his form, he needs to start ticking upwards a bit. But credit to, to Loud, obviously. Favouritism can sometimes weigh heavily on a team like them that are progressing and coming and that people are starting to talk about. And it was clear against Westmead with their first half that maybe they weren't just dealing with that so well. And at times during during the Offaly game, it can weigh heavily, but when it came to it an extra time, they really pulled away. And there's some very good forwards. Kieran Downey obviously showed it during the league and Samuel Roy too. So um, they're a really progressive team. As Dick said, they're a good team. You know, you can't classify them as anything more than that. But the rate of progress is, has, has, really been, has really been impressive. Uh, since this current management took over, they've taken them up through the divisions and really well, really well organised. And I would say they will set up pretty similar as they do to the way that Kildare did uh, against Dublin yesterday. Dick, we'll give you the last word on Ulster then. Obviously, a, a disappointing day for Monaghan on Saturday against Derry and Armagh booking their place in a first Ulster final, I think, since 2008, which, which is a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of look back on the weekend from that perspective? Ah, uh, Yeah, listen, it was pretty sobering in uh, Oma on Saturday night. Listen, I, I wasn't slow on, on, on displaying me Euphoria after the Tyrone win and, and, and talking up Monaghan and, and rightly so after that performance, but the reality is they just, just didn't turn up. And I think probably it was a combination of maybe Monaghan, for whatever reason, not, not bringing the intensity that they, they should have known they needed to, to beat Terry, Derry. And then they knew they needed to beat Tyrone. As you say, they, they only beat Tyrone because they stepped it up and, and brought a bit of chaos and intensity to the game. They just never, never brought that from the first whistle. And it was been a long time now, both as a player and as a supporter, that I've been at a Monaghan match that you just never felt that they were going to win. And they lost by eight in the end. Honestly, if you had stuck another one before that, it could have been that at times. You know, they got a few goals sort of against the head to, to keep it competitive. But Derry were just streets. Is it an impressive performance that I've seen this year, I would say, in, in championship terms, in, in terms of a complete performance from a team, um, I was sort of had a question mark over Derry, whether they were pushing on, whether they were as good as, as we were talking them up. Are they p- possibly, and I'm, I'm giving credit to Monaghan, that Monaghan are a good team and it took a really, really good performance from Derry, um, but were Monaghan really poor that set Derry apart? I, I don't know, they, but but Jesus, Derry were good. Like they, they were good from start to finish. I I. I'd say if you ranked every player, they were at least an eight out of ten, whereas Monaghan, by comparison, probably averaged a five. And it was just that consistency of performance from one to fifteen st- stood them out. And ah, credit has to go to Rory Gallagher and his team because that's that's what managers bring. You know, players and individuals bring skill and they'll bring all that. When a manager can put fifteen players out and play like that at that consistency. That's all down to the manager, and you know they're going to take some beating based on what I've seen. And uh, it's a tough one for Monaghan, but listen, it all credit to Derry; they they deserved it one hundred percent. Great stuff, Dick. Colin, thanks so much for joining us. Well, we're delighted to be joined for our hurling chat now by John Milan and Eddie Brennan. And lads, God, it was some eventful weekend of hurling. Saturday night, we obviously had Limerick Clare, an absolute cracker. Then yesterday, could Kenny Galway's draw. But John, unfortunately, we're going to have to go to you first. Cork Waterford, you know. To, you know, Waterford's round robin record continues to get worse by the year. Like, what are your thoughts this morning after that heavy defeat to Cork? Yeah, look, look, I, I bring you back seven seven days ago, and I told you that the dynamics were going to change this week. And you know, we've seen time and time again with Waterford teams that, you know, when there's not expected of them, you know, last week they they could they were able to go and and have a, have a you know good crack at Limerick. 
with very, very little expectation. Now, this week, expectation levels were after going up a notch. You know, as I touched on last week, Waterford were back on everyone's uh, lips this week. And, you know, that probably brings a bit of pressure. And we've seen time and time again with this team that, I don't know, when, 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 when they're expected to go and get a result, they have a tendency to, to struggle. And that happened yesterday. You know, they just, they just weren't able to. Just wanted to, be able to deal with Cork. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, tactically, I thought they got it all wrong yesterday. Uh, and look, we've seen it time and time again, particularly in this Monster Championship. You know, what you do one week is possibly not going to work the following week because you're under the microscope with a lot of these teams. A lot of these teams are sitting back and watching what you're doing and they're not going to fall into the trap. And the way Waterford set up yesterday, uh, all in all, you know, Davy Tushan in the afternoon had a match that, you know, they were energyless, you know, the same energy levels, the same high work ethic wasn't there uh, in contrast to the, to the previous week. I, I, I fully accept that, but I don't think he helped the team yesterday in how we set him up, uh, you know. Operating Jack Fagan down one side of, of, of the half back line, right? That was grand against Limerick, but you know, Cork very shrewd in, in how they in how they they played around uh, that Waterford system yesterday, and they just they just didn't go down that 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 channel yesterday. Um, very good, found the pockets of space, um, and they just picked off Waterford. And I did touch on last, last uh, a couple of weeks with Cork that. If the Cork forwards have the appetite for work, they're going to be difficult, difficult opponents for anyone out there. And I mean that, whether it be Clare, Limerick, Galway, Kilkenny, if the Cork forwards decide that they're going to you know, bring that high work ethic, work when they don't have the ball, hunt in packs, you know, chase those causes, they didn't do that against Kilkenny in the league semi-final. They done it yesterday, and you, you see, you see what they're capable of, you know. So, yeah, look, Cork are very good, but look, Waterford, uh, it's it's back to the drawing board now. You know, they've they've zero points from four, and it's going to be very very hard to see where they're going to pick it up now in two weeks' time against you know a clear team that have their mojo up, um, seem to be up and running now. So, yeah, it's. It's, it's, I don't, I don't really know what to say really. And I suppose, look, for me, yesterday as well, I thought they possibly should have started Austin Leeson. Now, look, people say, oh, look, he's not fit. You know, how could you start him? I had this argument last night. You know, if he's not fit, I'd rather a, a 60, 70% Austin Gleason than, than not start him at all. And what I would have done, I would have started him yesterday, I would have started himself and young Patrick Fitzgerald. And if you got 50 minutes, 55 minutes out of, out of Austin, so be it. It's better. It's better than twenty-five minutes or, or twenty minutes or thirty minutes. And I just thought, you know, they made a mistake not starting Austin and and John Patrick Sherrod yesterday. You know, but even on that, John, maybe was it like I know it's we have the benefit of hindsight, and that, and that's the the horrible side of management because you make decisions and they either work or they don't. But I suppose the the one thing that you know you often hear from you know from Davy is his ability to 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 devise a game plan and. I just felt yesterday that, you know, what worked against Limerick, and you, you said that point earlier, you know, maybe if Cork have Austin plunked on the edge of the square and start firing balls in on top of him, just for 15, 20 minutes, it might just throw the Cork game plan out the window for a little It might force their hand a little bit. But I think the key point there, it was something that was the foundation of where, where in terms of our values as a forward unit, was the aggressive tackling, the real aggressive turnover ball. And we always said that if you can turn over defenders and make them go backwards or take 10 yards off their strikes, that's what Cork done yesterday. They, and, and, and I think that's the key point. That's probably what has been missing with Cork for the last 15, 20 years. If they can, that's going to be the big thing for Cork. Can they bring that now every day? Because that was that was it yesterday. We're, Waterford were lacking a bit of energy, but when the, when the Cork, Cork were really on the line yesterday and that's where maybe Championship Hurling has to be played and maybe 
they weren't met with much resistance. But when you go back to that All-Ireland final in 2021, Cork were bullied that day. They were physically out muscles. I think they were afraid of what was physically coming to meet them. But yesterday they looked maybe that has turned that corner. Well, the Cork forwards, you know, now can go and do that and go and empty themselves for, say, about 50, 55 minutes, knowing that they have Shane Kingston to come off the bench, Robbie Flynn to come off the bench, this Robbie Power, Power uh, uh, Power to come off the bench, Brian Hayes. So when you have, you, you know yourself, uh, uh, Eddie, when you have four or five equally as good forwards to come in, that allows you to say, say to the other forwards, well, look, you're starting, right? Go and empty yourself. And then when you go yeah, and empty yeah. yourself, as in, you know, engage in the dirty work and keep the scoreboard ticking over, knowing then that, right, I can do that for 50, 55 yeah, minutes, yeah. knowing that you have another four or five really good lads to close out the match. And I think that's what's key for Cork going forward. They're like Limerick. Limerick had that, or had it anyway. Michael, what's your perspective on anything you want to add into what the lads have said? Uh, just on just on Waterford, I think you can have all the game plans you want, and you can have seventeen different puck out strategies or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, if you're not putting the ball over the bar or putting the ball in the back of the net, they scored eighteen points yesterday. They scored nineteen points the week before. When push comes to shove, you're looking. You have to add another seven or eight onto that to be winning championship games in modern hurling, and that's just realistic. So you can you can move lads around all you want, and you can be tactically bamboozling uh, different teams. But at the end of the day, it's how much you're able to put on the scoreboard, and they are just not contributing enough on the scoreboard. From a car point of view, just a couple of things that I saw. I think it's hard to get too much of a read on them on yesterday. Just be, I, you know, I, I'd be reluctant to read too much into it because the resistance that they were met with just it pulls apart from what they're going to face when they play Limerick or probably even play Tip but someone like and John talked about him maybe two months ago someone like Brian Roach is a different type of player that Cork yeah. haven't had before real robust player just mad for hardship mad for work there was a stage there where Jamie Barron was jinking and jiving down the corner and he just he just, he was just, in, in, just, just in on top of him he's just that different type of player and um, so that that Cork were kind of ravenous for work all over the pitch, and it was just that was kind of great to see. Even Rob Downey, Jack Prendergast was causing uh, Tommy O'Connell trouble down that the right wing back spot. Robbie Down Rob Downey goes over on and plucks the first puck out of the air, sends it back with interest. You know what I mean? There's something a little bit different maybe about Cork if they're working like that. But I wouldn't um, one swallow wouldn't make a summer with Cork for me anyway. I just I have to see it again and again and again and again because at the end of the day, we saw it yesterday, but the first week in April, we didn't see it when they played Kilkenny. Do you know what I mean? So can they do that week on week on week on week? And that's the challenge. If they do, they're they're contenders. But um, yeah, going to have to see it consistently. Well, that's a big plus for them. And, and we go back to this scoring averages and, and uh, it was actually uh, jo- Joanne Campbell threw it into, into, the, into the RT group. We, we were wrong last week that we said that if three teams finish on four points, that it's the scoring average between the three. It's not. It's the scoring average as a whole in the Munster Championship. So Cork are 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 frustrating. Oh, we weren't. No, we weren't wrong, John. That's what that's what I thought. It's scoring average across your fight your four yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, across the four games. Well, I, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking it, it was the same as Leinster. If, if there's if there's three on, it goes within the scoring averages of those three, but. But you look at Cork yesterday, that's plus nine. If they can get another win, if they beat Tipperary next week, like that puts them on four points, you know, if they'll win by two or three points, all of a sudden now they're on plus 13, plus 14, going into their last two games against, and probably their most, probably two most difficult games against, against Limerick and Clare. That puts them in a great position to qualify. Yeah, that game in Porky Queue on Saturday night already looks like an absolute cracker in the making. Eddie, what about the game on Saturday night then? Just gone, Limerick, Clare. What an absolute cracker. I saw your tweet about it kind of teeing it up as such an enjoyable contest. What did Clare do, do you think, to kind of get this statement victory over Limerick after coming up just short last year? Well, it's it's, it's called to me in some ways to have to pay for the match, but... um, it was well worth it, I have to say, and I and I say that through great teeth. But uh, it was it was a cracking game of hurling, and I think even it probably 
forced is to revise or revisit the matches that they've served up over the last couple of years, particularly last year. They bring the best out of each other. And, you know, I remember a few years ago they were talking about, you know, the Kenny Tip rivalries of 12, 13, 14 and 15. There was a couple of great games, uh, a semi-final in 12 with, with Kenny and Tip. This is up there with a rivalry. And I know it's been going on before, but it really has now come to the fore as, as a rivalry that you can expect this. But I suppose looking at a lot of things, you know, you had six Limerick scorers on Saturday night. You had, I think, nine, maybe ten Clare uh, scores. So that's flipped from what it was. But I do think what was significant was, and I, and I, and I like, I suppose, the way Brian Lowen, you know, he's so, he can be animated and, and agitated on the sideline. He's always moving. But it looks like those players are just willing to climb, crawl over a bed at last for that manager. Um, he has backed them to the hilt. He has fought a big battle in the background, which he never let get in on those players. And he has persisted and persisted with them. And they probably got it. I suppose in the life cycle of a manager and his team, they have probably now shaken a monkey off their back a little bit. And I'd say the disappointments of last year's All-Ireland semi-final, I'd say even this year, I think the defeat in the Gaelic grounds during the league was definitely burning them, I'd say, with motivation right up to the other night. But... What what I look little moments there, and I and I spoke about this today, you know, in the article. Ryan Taylor has probably is doing a lot of invisible work uh, that's not seen, maybe. And I just thought, for me, if you're going to beat this Limerick team, you have to take risks. And I spoke about this over the last couple of weeks. I think we even said it here because teams have tried different things and they've been able to figure it out. But I think you have to play that little bit of high risk hurling at times. And there was a sequence of play, and I think Anthony Daly showed it even last night on the Sunday game. And it was just, it was in my head from the match, where they worked it from, we'll say, the number two position back across the square. Limerick almost got them, and Limerick were really putting that high press on them. And then Ryan Taylor brings the ball out and left, I think, six Limerick fellows in his wake. And that's just a moment in a year that can often be the difference between catapulting you into, you know, the energy levels you need to maybe kick on and go further. But look, it was it was it's it's no surprise in the context of Tip or in Cork or in with with Clare and Limerick over the last couple of seasons, and uh, you know, albeit too, they had to do it without Sean Finn. The first time I've seen him leave the field since 2018 for Limerick, he may have missed one match in that time, maybe not. And then Keen Lynch going off, Hannon definitely is probably not at his best at the moment. So it's 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 good for the Munster Championship. It has turned it into a real battleground, hasn't it? Uh, I was ma- is magic, yeah. But Clare, Clare have a lovely balance in our team, uh, Eddie. Yeah. And look, you and even impact. you, yeah, an impact, one hundred percent. You you go through our team, and great credit has to go to Lowen. I mean, the easiest thing for him uh, this week would have been to drop uh, Young Hogan after you know he was probably underperforming in Tipperary, cracking little cornerback, touched high cornerback, brought in Ava Quilligan. But go through our team, they've two touch high cornerbacks and Rory Rory Hayes and, and Hogan. Clear you solid at at, at, uh, at three. Then you know you have that block across the, the half back line of, of McInerney, Conlon. Great credit to Conlon, lads. I mean, yeah, his his brother actually got married, and he rushed off after the match. He was colossal. You have, have Dermot Ryan. But even, have but even the the belts he took, John, as well. I think he took ferocious punishment, John Conlon, and still, you know, just wouldn't lie down. But then again, you go to it. Then you know you have, you, have, you have the energy then of Ryan Taylor with with kind of a you know, the big block of a man, you know, in Carl Malone. And then, you know what I, I mean, the, the work Shane O'Donnell is doing, lads. Yeah. I mean, this lad missed, missed, the major, missed the majority of the league. You have Aidan McCarty back, you have Kelly, you have Rogers. And uh, am I leaving out anyone, anyone, anyone else? I don't want to be leaving out anyone else. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Dugan. Duggan's goal. Dug, Duggan yeah. got the goal. And then as you touched on it there, Eddie, they have three lads, young men coming in, legs, uh, Flanagan cover, and you know you have a big, big man in Shannon. You know you're at the, you're at the, you know you're at the go long if you want to. So I really, really like to look look at look at Clare. And I go back to last week, lads. Right, the easiest thing for Clare was to throw in the towel against him. They kept the scoreboard ticking over. And when you have that, lads, even in your even in on the days that it's not going well for you, and you're prepared to go to the final whistle, right? What happened last weekend? The game went. Well, the game was squeaky yeah. bum time. You know what I mean. And and when you start getting into the habit of 
even going to the final whistle, my father used to always say to me, right, no matter what the scoreboard is, I don't care if you're losing, you keep going to the final whistle. And that becomes a habit, lads, and they got rewarded Saturday night for, and I, I believe that that came off the back of last weekend where they just kept going to the final whistle against Tipperary. Yeah. And it was ingrained in them to go to the final whistle. And if you're going to beat the likes of the Limericks, you're going to have to go to the 72nd and 73rd minute to overcome. But even two points on that, John, I think tactically as well, the deployment of David Fitzgerald onto Kyle Hayes and the way he can maraud up and down the pitch, a la what Kyle Hayes can do, it meant Hayes hadn't the scope to maybe go up the field. And when oh. he did go, Fitzgerald wasn't afraid to go and butt heads with him. Like he, 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 he Clearly, that was a tactic saying, listen, he cannot be allowed maraud up and down that wing. And the, the other thing too is, you said about the scoring average there, how significant is maybe the last one three one four that Clare got last weekend against Tip? That could come into play big time before the the Munster Championship settled down. So, yeah, I think you're. It's a good point, John. Just on that as well, like David Fitzgerald, uh, Mark and Hayes, or you'd say he wasn't. He's not just like we were talking about someone maybe picking up Kyle Hayes or trying to stop Kyle Hayes. Stopping him is one thing, but I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Eddie, you're not just stopping him, but you're actually putting him on the back foot. You're actually making him mark yeah. you. You're actually making him think, geez, I can't go. I, I might have to think about whether I go forward here because this lad is going to hurt me the other way. Do you know what I mean? And that's the great thing about it. I think you talked about uh, trucks and trailers is the way you said it to me, Eddie. Um, <laughs> and you can't, like, you can't just be uh, a trailer following the lad around. You have to be kind of dictating affairs. And that's what Fitzgerald was doing the other night. Yeah. Well, it was a big thing from a Clare perspective is how did John Conlon allow his brother get married on a Saturday? That's disgraceful, carry on. He should have, I mean, once he knew he was best man, the first thing he's looking at is the date and saying sorry. And then I can imagine Conlon's brother probably said to him, listen, you can go talk to herself because I'm not trying to sell that to her. <laughs> well, with a split season, I would have thought it's easier than ever. Is your half the year? There's no championship. But it, it, it turned, it turned well, Better again, be... better again. Peter Cunningham, the played centre-back for Offaly yesterday, got married uh, a week before the Mead game and he got married in Rome, went on honeymoon for the week and came back and started at centre-back as they beat Mead. Like, it's one thing your brother getting married, but it's another thing you getting married in the middle of, a, <laughs> in the middle of an inter-county season. I don't know, yeah. This, the scheduling is all over the place. But, but Eddie, from, from a Limerick perspective, what do you think this defeat does for them? Obviously, they could afford a defeat, you know, in this format. It doesn't mean their championship hopes are by any means extinguished. But is it a major blow, do you think, to, to lose that maybe aura of invincibility? I, I think it can be it can be a little blow to your psyche. It can be if 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 this just from my experiences, right? And sometimes your energy levels are just dropping off two, three percent, and you kind of dismiss it in training. It could be little small things like a tackle that a guy would normally put in, or how clinical some guy is with his shooting. Like Limerick were unerringly, you know, it was a bit off on Saturday, fourteen wides, I think. So sometimes it can be training ground stuff. It can be maybe a little bit of familiarity. But equally too, lads, I suppose we have to bear in mind too, right? Limerick are on the go hard since 2018. Little blip in 19, right? In an All-Ireland semi-final, having marauded their way through, dominated a Munster campaign, polished everybody, won a league campaign, I think, that year, quite convincingly up in Croke Park. So sometimes that little bit of hunger can just drop off a little bit. And even Kylie, like, it now puts into context Kylie's interview because it takes a very strong team to shut out that kind of talk and, and be and remain very much in your bubble. So are we seeing, you know, there's no doubt Limerick are a tiny bit off colour. It's only natural. I don't think there'll any, be any criticism of that. But equally too, I think this three-week break is coming at an ideal time. It's not fatal what happens. I think if they had been betting the first match and betting the second match, now their year is in a different situation. But the fact that they get three weeks to kind of reassess now, get fresh again, get new ideas, measure up who they're going to play. I mean, what better motivation for a Limerick team than Tipperary? Is it in Turles they have to go to for that match in three weeks' time? You know, so if, if, if they need that to get their mojo back. But again, it's just the concern is now we don't know what the story is with Sean Finn. Uh, Keen Lynch, to me, if that's a recurring hamstring, it could be dodgy ground for him. But definitely Keane Lynch is, 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 is not the Keane Lynch that we've come to, to expect. You know, he, 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 to me, he looks a little bit bulkier on that. But uh, yeah, look, it's not the end of the world. But at the same time, sometimes as a player, little doubts creep into your head. 
and they can and they can be just there in the background and you know if, if I don't know what what exactly it is but as as John said there earlier on everybody is measuring you upside down inside out it's only natural that people come with a plan that's going to work they look at how war forgot the in in the match and they'll they'll I guarantee you Brian Lowen looked at that quite closely and got a little bit of a blueprint or got some kind of inkling and then added his own uh, thing to it but I don't think John Kiley will definitely go tear up the script now or anything like that probably Kyle Hayes I think maybe you'll probably look at seeing him back up the field is he a bigger handful up the field physically there's not too many able to go and hold him and contain him up there so that might be something they'll look at and what about the Leinster Championship then Eddie obviously Kenny and Galway probably the top two teams by, by some distance play out a draw yesterday which manager will be the happier this morning do you think not, neither really because I think it was a match that if either had to have won, you'd have said, yeah, look, we, we we probably did deserve it a little bit. But equally, you, I think both could have come out of that match with nothing either because I think Kilkenny came out after half time and just decided to actually roll up the sleeves and dog into Galway a little bit. And for me, that has something that maybe this Kilkenny team don't do enough of. And unfortunately, they weren't able to sustain it. Galway, to be fair to him, roared back in with 15 minutes to go. Galway looked in big trouble. And I think it was Dahi Bork and Parig Mannion probably between them just decided no. They started to win the drop zone there around that half back line and they, they ultimately gave themselves a, a ticket back into that match. But yeah, it was a good intense match for what it was there and then. But I think in the back of both teams' minds, there was possibly going, there wasn't that do or die in it. I mean, it was a good battle. There was plenty of hard hitting in it. Uh, I think Galway's puck outs for the first 20 minutes really had Kilkenny at sixes and sevens. They stretched them all over the pitch. But I, I suppose when you look at it, maybe for both, a little small thing, is it a sign of the times and ev- evolution? Parig Welsh, you know, taking off yesterday for Kilkenny, you know, definitely not his best day. Galway were able to take off, you know, Whelan and Cooney, which have been two massive players. Bring in two young lads. They looked like two young lads that were just after coming out of secondary school. You know, and they they contributed to for 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 Galway, but um, yeah, I think a bit of both. But the draw probably will take away uh, any real snarl that was in it. But uh, I have to say, Michael Dignan is so sharp on the commentary. I mean, I thought it was how quickly he picked up the steps for the Galway goal. It was just you know, I, I just said, Jesus, how clued in is he? He's he's so sharp with stuff like that. I wouldn't have thought it at the time. And look, these are little moments. I think Kilkenny might have got a few moments as well. From a Kilkenny perspective, though, as a Kilkenny man, I'm probably disappointed that we didn't close out that game. That little, real cutthroat ruthlessness is still not maybe where it needs to be if Kilkenny are to go on and contend in an All-Ireland final and win one. Yeah, Michael, when you were saying earlier, you thought like you were very surprised TJ Reid putting that sideline ball dead at the end, that that was a chance to kill the game. And maybe a Kilkenny in previous years might have taken those opportunities and gotten the win. Yeah, just... Play it into the corner or play a shorter ball. Just don't put it dead and allow Galway to put a ball yeah. 20 yards down the other end. Kind of reminded me of uh, Stephen Mylan took a sideline the All Ireland final in 2013. Yeah, and um, he put it dead and ball ended up in Donald O'Donovan's hand about 10 seconds later and Claire won the All Ireland. Michael, Michael, I'm going to jump in there. You look at what Limerick done to Kilkenny in the last play of the All Ireland last year. They put a sideline down around the 21. Right. Hegarty, Hegarty put it dead around the 21 or Peter Casey kicked it out. They then got their set play in. Garrod Hegarty went and tagged Don Murphy because he was the only one possibly that was going to put that ball at the other end of the pitch. So, you know, you, you learn from each other. Yeah, just on that, I, I think Kenny would be disappointed not, get, not getting the result um, because they had the game in their hands with, with 10 or 15 to play. Um, and just what Eddie said about probably the lack of do or die nature to it is the fact that like realistically, there is no jeopardy for either of those teams. If that was in the Munster Championship, you would say that like getting the two points on the board was, and anything less would be, it'd be criminal to leave points behind. Whereas yesterday, they both know that like barring a big upset somewhere along the way, they're going to meet each other in a Leinster in Leinster final again. I have to say, I thought it was interesting. Henry was going back down to the Lions Den in Nolan Park, and I tell you something, he um. He mightn't have endeared himself to some Kilkenny supporters. No. He, he, he had his he had his Galway he had his Galway top on yesterday. You know he was claiming that you know on two to three occasions that Kilkenny players were were diving to the ground. I have to say, um, 
I there's nearly an admiration for me that like he treated it like any other game. It wasn't like they were playing Kilkenny in Nolan Park, um, which part of me does admire him. I admire him for that. Another part of me thinks, geez, you're bringing unwanted uh, trouble onto yourself here. <laughs> but it ju- it just shows you, um, once you're with a really? team, once a team, once you're with a team, and if it's not your own county, your own club, you are all in, and you are calling for everything to nail like he was yesterday. Yeah, you have to be. You enlist your soldier. It's as simple as that. There you go, yeah. Yeah, what's the view of, of Kilkenny? People got used to the, the side of Henry on the Galway side? Because like, obviously I know you coached again or managed against your own county as well. But I suppose with Galway being you know such big rivals and all-Ireland contenders as well, it's a different dynamic again. Yeah, it is. And, and look, aside from everything, I suppose, there was that dynamic on the sideline too. Like to look at two, you know, fierce... You know, I, I just two valuable teammates, like and two guys that you you hold with throughout your career. It's definitely unusual to see the two like that on the sideline, and I think maybe uh, it could be a hell of a lot different if if. And again, I suppose we have to be very careful too, because you know anything is possible. You know, while Wexford don't look to be going well, Kilkenny have to go to Wexford in the last round, and and Wexford Park has not been a happy hunting ground for Kilkenny in recent years. So there've been a few tricky assignments. And we felt there was going to be points taken off teams in Leinster. But I think if the two boys were maybe uh, in Croke Park for a Leinster final with a cup up in the steps, you might see, you know, real snarling. And I'm not saying they'd be button heads. They're not that type of guys. But they will fight for every inch on the sideline. The more than their teams on the pitch, they're, they're absolute competitors, the two of them. But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably a strange one yet. And and I think maybe when there's something really at stake, yeah, it was... It was you know, it was a championship match, but there was no real consequences. And the fact that it ended all square probably kept both of them at, you know, kept, kept both somewhat happy. There was something coming out of the match. But uh, yeah, look, we, we, we might see that play out further down the line. Yeah, John, I'll give you the last word then. You know, from what you saw yesterday, are we any potential All-Ireland winners, do you think, on show yesterday in Nolan Park? Kilkenny Galway on any given day when they, when they get to the All-Ireland series, they're capable of beating um, any of the monster sides. That was that was proven last year when Kilkenny dismantled Clare at their ease and Galway went toe to toe with uh, with Limerick. And what they have, you know, in their favour is that you know, you know, they'll be fresh going into the All Ireland series in in, in 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 comparison to the monster sides, and that's that's going to play into their play into their favour. Uh, you know, and for me. The All Ireland now with Lynch possibly gone. We don't know what way Sean Sean Finn Sean Finn's injury is going to play out. Uh, you know, Clare have shown the way now that they've given an awful lot of hope. And you know, in comparison to two weeks ago when we were we were talking, we were saying the Limerick. Well, you, you wanted know, to uh, give him the trophy, John. She wanted yeah. to give him the trophy before a ball was poked. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I suppose you couldn't have you couldn't have argued the way the way they were playing. Apparently, I mean, it was probably justified the way you know some some of that talk. But now, all of a sudden, now we've a we've a we've a serious All Ireland championship ahead, and you know, there's a couple of there's four or five teams there, possibly stretch out to five, maybe maybe six who knows that we'll, we'll fancy saying, "Well, look, lads, if we if we can get a run, um, why not? Why not? You know, Cork, Tipperary, Clare, Galway, Kilkenny." You know, Limerick are still still the benchmark. They're still probably ahead of the chase and pack. But the chase and pack are, believe me, there's a lot of hope there now that they can that they can win that they can win a, a Munster championship or a Leinster championship, push on and win an all in all Ireland. I think what's fascinating, well, just lastly, is that we know Clare can beat Limerick, but and we know probably maybe the Tipperary can't beat Limerick, but we know Tip can beat Clare. Do you know what I mean? Cork have struggled yeah. struggled with Limerick, but could Cork beat any of the rest of them? Of course they can. So it could be a case of, you know, in 2019, Kilkenny took out Limerick, then Tipperary took out Kilkenny. Do you know what I mean? It's just fascinating, the, the swings and roundabouts. And the team that, if Limerick are to be beaten this year uh, in a knockout championship game, the team that beats them might not be the team that that, that win the All-Ireland. And also, like, if you look yeah. at what, 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 uh, what, even what beating Limerick took out with Kilkenny in 19, what, beat, what competing with Limerick took out with Clare last year, like, what will... And what competing with Limerick took out of Waterford even this weekend, what will it have taken out of Clare in two weeks' time? There's so many kind of fascinating variables. I think the biggest thing for Limerick is is, is getting themselves into the top three. And I look, because they, they, if they go to Torres... Whether, it doesn't matter if they lose. I wouldn't yeah. worry. If I'm Kylie, I'm not going to yeah. be too upset over losing Munster. Once I'm there, they'll build. 
Yeah, and I, I think lads, Limerick, Limerick are a crow power team, and and you know, it's no coincidence that whenever they go to the Cork as well, they play well, well in Cork because the dimensions play the same. I think Limerick are a crow power team, and I think the only thing that that Kylie would be interested in, Clark be interested, get into the top three. Let's get back to the crow power. And I think if they get the crow power. They're going to yeah, be very yeah. difficult to stop. Well, put, it, put, it, put it this way, and I, my last bit on this is, if you're John Coyley and you were put into a situation, pick your pick your title now. I guarantee you, oh, yeah. yes, the Munster title is massive, but where they are, their legacy is secure, their, his, their place in Limerick history is secure. They don't have to worry about that. They're now chasing. The All-Ireland title is the big fish here for them. So if they come through in the Tour of the Munster, what better way now to plot their way in, watch the other teams, measure them up even better and have a cut. Well, it's going to be a fascinating couple of weeks and both at provincial level and then as we mentioned the All-Ireland Series to come for the moment. I'd like to thank Eddie and John for joining us on this week's episode of the Throw-On Podcast. We'll be back next week with another show looking back on all the latest championship action and in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.